0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
2: CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world?
3: Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sanjo Gahl. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sanjo Gahl.
4: Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is Driving Accountable Care. Through analytics, and our guests for today's show are Scott Blanchett, who is the senior vice president and CIO with Vanguard Health Systems. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Good
5: morning. Doing very well, thank you.
4: Very good. So, is uh, the world coming together for you, where everything is going well? Uh,
5: It it is indeed, and we're uh, optimistic about uh, not only today's conversation but the uh, the journey it uh, it talks about.
4: All right, great. And we have uh, Dr. John Mattison, who is the Assistant Medical Director and Chief Medical Informatics Officer with Kaiser Permanente with uh, in Southern California. Good morning, John. How are you?
2: Good morning. Doing just great. Thank you.
4: So, how is Southern California treating you? Hot, humid, or good, oh, good it's, weather? It's
2: just, it's just right.
4: Just dry. Okay. So you're expecting some rain, so your grass could start looking look a little greener.
2: Hopefully so. We can use it like everyone.
4: <laughs> okay. We also have Dr. Michael Bakerman, uh, who's the Chief Medical Information Officer for UMass Health System. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. All right. So we have uh, three esteemed guests, and thank you so much for joining this conversation. Now, the, the premise is that we are trying to put this accountable care out and, and put that into action, and there are so many things that we want to achieve where we are talking about accountable care organizations and they are supposed to be by definition accountable to patients and insurance for the quality, appropriateness and efficiency of the healthcare provided. I'm just literally you know, reading a bookish definition. Now, this accountability—when it comes down to accountability—is this truly quantitative criteria that we have really nailed down, and then we're going to measure against it, or this is just going to be another subjective measure? Now, let's start with you, Scott.
5: Well, uh, thank you again for uh, allowing me to join you this morning. I, I would suggest it's probably an overstatement um, that we've solved all of the elements. Of the question you've asked Um, if that were the case I think this discussion would be significantly less interesting would be talking about this in our rear view mirror Um, and then at the same time I think there's an argument to be made that we're undertaking uh, a very purposeful direction that should lead us toward delivering on what Dr. Don Berwick indicated was a triple aim so it's not surprising that the body of science um, that delivers on that quantitative element uh, suggests that the triple aim is not only noble but achievable and that body of science i believe is starting to underscore realization um and and that realization is creating less debate about i think the where we are going but rather the how and maybe more importantly the the how long so i think to answer your question uh, directly i'd argue that we're undertaking a subjective journey that's directionally correct but we've been building a quantitative statistical body of science research for many years now that support that direction, and I think my colleagues from Kaiser and UMass have a a substantial head start on on the rest of the country, so I'm very interested in their uh, their points of views on this.
4: All right, so john when you when you hear what Scott just mentioned, do you think? uh... Accountable care, uh, or developing this whole model, is like boiling the ocean, and we are getting started. And we have taken on something which is a Herculean task to begin with. And if at all we fail, we can say, "Hey, we tried, but the task was almost impossible, anyways."
2: Well, and, and uh, as Scott pointed out, we do have at Kaiser Permanente. Uh, an advantage of having some very visionary founders who created a model of care from the outset that was intended to be highly integrated and accountable. So there's a lot in our rearview mirror that helps inform our path forward. And so we are not uh, intending to... Uh, to stay in the place where we are in terms of being able to deliver highly integrated, highly coordinated care with automation and digital support, um, we're looking at what uh, the, the next steps and the next big opportunities are, and there are many. So to answer your question about is this really too big of a challenge to take on all at once? Um, our organization was essentially founded on the uh, on many of the same principles um, as ACOS, and it is it is very much doable, but the longest journey begins with a single step. And so uh how the roadmap is created and how any particular institution gets from where they are to an end state uh may vary quite a bit. Um uh, but and trying to boil the ocean is generally not uh an effective strategy. Uh but there are certain critical things um, that uh, resonate uh, in the principles underlying the uh, ACOs and, and the foundation of Kaiser Permanente. And, and those are that you deliver truly comprehensive care across all venues of care um, and take the opportunity to really implement preventive care uh, so that uh, you can improve the health of an entire population with both proactive as well as uh, highly competent uh, highly specialized care when the need arises.
4: So, Mike, in your world, I know Scott mentioned that uh, UMass has really uh, gone a multiple leaps ahead of many others in terms of how to implement this. Is this something that you envisioned or your organization envisioned multiple years ago? Do you have surprisingly good crew and good insight into how this is to be done? What's that magic bullet that you were able to land?
6: So I appreciate Scott's uh, comments, but uh, you know the reality is I don't think that UMass is much farther along in an ACO um, than many of the other places. Um, in the even in the pioneer uh, ACO uh, um, initiatives that have been done by CMS, New England and Massachusetts is heavily represented, but most of those groups are really just starting to formulate their plans. And I, I would agree with the rest of uh, my my colleagues is that. This is this is really gonna be a journey. Um, and when we talk about accountable care we, we kind of mix the euphemism that this is integrated care and that will lead to better outcomes. But but I think most of us recognize that integrated care is very far away. We work in so many different silos, uh and just in broad strokes, inpatient care versus outpatient care and how we integrate the specialists, the consultants and the uh plans of care is very complicated. The basic tenets of ACO, I think, are based on quantitative criterion. So there are quality measures. There are patient satisfaction measures. There are preventative measures in there, plus overall cost trends and, and the other really um, uh, very discrete elements that you can measure. Um, however, the actual makeup, putting those puzzle pieces together, I still believe will take a lot of work and a lot of... Um, hard conversations um, uh, with the different groups to make sure that when they say we're accountable, uh, we understand what that accountability means.
4: So, John, uh, when we when we look at the actual journey that we're talking about here, would you say that uh, the problem is in the data quality, data integrity, the very data model? We do not understand what we need to capture or the things that we want to capture. It's a pain
2: it's actually i think it's a great question because you hit on quite a few different things um, that uh all um, are relevant uh to producing uh quality uh, timely uh and actionable data so i think i think one of the biggest challenges and opportunities is to understand what questions are important to ask so that when you uh do the analytics and you're trying to tune operations or, or tune care delivery um... that you know what are the important parameters that that you need to manage and uh, you can learn that through analytics but uh and there there's always much more data um than is either relevant to a particular question or is necessary to include. So it's pretty easy to drown in a mountain of information that emerges uh from a clinical care situation. So uh carefully identifying what are the important questions um and how do you um use the data you have to answer those questions and tune your operations. So I Um, I I really believe that the the data quality issue is often um, overstated as an impediment. Um, It's it's more often about really making the best use of the data you have.
4: Now, uh, Scott, when you look at your world there, and I'm sure everybody's dealing with a lot of data, is it the sheer complexity and the volume that has to be handled is what, is making people just be standing on the fence and not crossing over, or is well, it is it where are we where are we stumbling in, or where are we even having this inertia, not even able to get over that inertia?
5: Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I I think your your uh, your question is relevant uh, to to some of our markets and not all of our markets. So we operate in six uh, metropolitan areas. And in the areas where we have disproportionate market share and relationships with one or two large payer, payers, um, we don't tend to have uh, the types of challenges we have in, in the marketplace that is more common where we don't own a market share and the payer space is highly fractured. And that drives uh, the sort of collaboration and coordination that your, 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 problem, uh, your question would, would suggest and so i you know i think to dr Madison's point data standards and the quality of the data is problematic but i don't think it's the most foundational issue that 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 faces us i think one of the more fundamental issues is around data exchange the rules of the road that will govern data transfer and i believe a lot of that is still embryonic and Um, and and further challenging that is the basic business model that supports the types of investments required to build truly integrated regional and national information exchanges. And, you know, this isn't a new problem. Um, This has been plaguing us since the beginning of time, whether it's HIEs today or RIOs in the last decade or CHINs or community health information networks in the 90s. And you could even make the argument that this has gone back to the 80s with community health monitoring systems. So, you know, we've we've been at this information exchange and collaboration and coordination problem statement for a long time, and I don't know that many of us can point to too much in the way of respectable progress. And so, I I think you know my comments have been focused largely on challenges inherent in the exchange of information, um, but I would suggest that we're going to encounter many of the same experiences and challenges around governance and sustainability of business models when we start talking about collaborative analytics and, and coordinated accountable care efforts.
4: So Mike, based on what Scott just said, does it look like our dream and, and to some extent initiatives that we started on having a healthcare information superhighway which connects the providers to the the, the patients and every other person or entity in the whole ecosystem? That has not come to fruition completely as we otherwise dreamt? Because it seems like if we had this information superhighway exchange, would become easier, and these will be moot points then.
6: Right. So I would agree that, no, it it has not yet come to fruition, certainly in our area of the country yet. Uh, There are models across the country uh, where there is some exchange. Uh, But here we're fortunate that we do have a state-run initiative, and then we have several private initiatives. But, again, the, the trick is to integrate them in, in our area of central Massachusetts. You know, we have a very disparate community where we have probably seven different uh, ambulatory electronic medical records, and we have uh, two primary inpatient uh, electronic medical records. So to get information shared at the point of care um, and not relying on claims information but concurrent real-time Clinical information is really, I think, the, the challenge for the future. That's where I think accountable care organizations will either be successful or not successful in the larger aggregate. Um, so we can, we can get data into, into our systems, but it's hard to have them exchanged and have our specialists see information that our primary care people develop and vice versa and to see what happened actually in the emergency room and then create, um Logical analytics about episodes of care, treatment, efficiency of care, uh, all that. Uh, so I don't know that that highway currently exists. It's certainly under construction. There's certainly a lot of work going into it. Um, there's a lot of transaction-based work, but in terms of actually getting analytics and good data, is still um, is still a ways off.
4: Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be back. And when we come back, John, the question I'd like to pose here for you is that suppose we do get the information super superhighway in place and perhaps the infrastructure, we could come up with a workaround which will allow you the exchange. Bottom line is, do we today have the ability to build visibility into areas such as healthcare delivery operations overall into the, at the required depth so that if that data was available across different entities, we were actually one step ahead in this whole accountable care uh, delivery. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
7: We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers.
3: You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall.
4: Welcome back. So, John, here, suppose we had the infrastructure. You had the information superhighway or a workaround to get the exchange going. Do you think we truly have been working diligently and creatively and finally have the results with respect to insight into the healthcare delivery operations to the degree you need in order to achieve this ACO dream?
2: I I think uh, we're getting closer every day, as has been alluded to by my colleagues. There uh, are still uh, many gaps that remain between different institutions that have different health records and different information systems. Uh, I think that that if you look at what we're doing internal to Kaiser Permanente where uh, the vast majority of care for each one of our members occurs, um, we have highly integrated systems and we do have deep visibility uh, into um, how care is being delivered. And again, uh, you know asking the right questions and knowing how to tune and optimize is very critical. So even though um, we have, um, the highly integrated and very comprehensive set of information uh, for all of our patients from our internal systems. Uh, there's still a lot of opportunities uh, for us to continually tune. I think one of the one of the big opportunities, though, is in the mountain of information that um, uh, characterizes healthcare today. Uh, being able to uh, generate good actionable summary level data in dashboards um is increasingly important so i think a lot of the emphasis that uh, we'll be seeing over the next couple of years is creating dashboards for physicians dash, dashboards for department managers dashboards for executives dashboards for uh hospital uh capacity management um similar to the dashboards that we use uh for it systems to look at uh, uh performance of various components of the system so i think we have a model in, in some of the uh, the dashboards that are used to monitor uh, uh, large-scale IT infrastructure, um, but there's a big opportunity to uh, replicate that um, at the operational level at, at multiple levels throughout the organization. With respect to health information exchange and how far along are we and how important is that, well, we're one of the founding members of the uh, CCC, the Continuity Care Consortium, um, that uh, is intended, um to exploit the existing data standards uh for exchange and we're already live with all five institutions exchanging documents Mayo Clinic, Group Health Cooperative, Geisinger, Intermountain Healthcare, and Kaiser Permanente. And that's in addition to the uh National Health Information Network, um, which uses uh, precisely the same data standards uh for interoperability. So um uh, as one of my colleagues alluded to earlier, there's a lot around governance, sustainability models um that are still very difficult but we do have very successful models like the one in in Regan Street in Indiana uh... where information exchange is taken for granted across multiple diverse institutions with different systems so um... do we have to worry will it work or not no absolutely not it it works quite well and and there are some shining examples of that but getting the entire nation to that state does take time and that's why Kaiser Permanente and these other four institutions have c- committed substantial resources uh, towards advancing that cause, um, working in concert uh, with the National Health Information Network and its coordinating committee uh, as we move forward.
4: Scott, do you think uh, while we all want to do, in fact, you mentioned about collaborative uh, analytics and we'll get into what it means, but more importantly, any type of collaboration also requires a willingness and the intent and I'm sure there would not be malintent on behalf of uh, different entities that are involved, but perhaps inability to collaborate. Where could those inabilities lie?
5: Well, I, you know, I, I think there is the potential um, that uh, competitive uh, forces in a market will impede um, opportunities and progress toward collaboration, um, uh, that that may be one dynamic to consider another dynamic to consider is the the notion that not everyone's incentives uh today are are fully aligned um and across full books of business so there is the incentive dynamic to to contemplate as well and then you have basic infrastructural issues around uh governance and sustainability that we've addressed before so you know, I, I think uh, you know as Dr. Madison alluded to, there are shining examples of this having worked, and worked at scale across uh, a number of places in the country. Um, unfortunately, the the road um, toward those shining examples is is littered with with uh, the bodies of many uh, many organizations that have been unsuccessful in this journey as well. And so, I I think uh, I, you know I agree with Dr. Madison's sense that. This isn't a question of of how, but uh, more a function of how long and I think uh, addressing some of these issues around incentives um, and 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 uh, and and governance are going to be requisite to getting there. Now, while this this is, uh, you
6: know this is Mike, so I can tell you from from Massachusetts, which is a highly competitive um, you know um, healthcare environment uh we have multiple academic medical centers here that have overlapping boundaries that you know may compete at several hospitals together uh it, you know information exchange is is still quite complicated um, where we have groups asking for requests to uh view electronic medical records uh from our our organization but you know declining to uh reciprocate from their organization um, so it I think the alignment of incentives trying to identify that the patient really is in the center of this um, really becomes you know the the uh, uh, primary uh, thrust of what we want to do um, to really manage the the risks inherent in this. The other piece is I think you know there are some the incentives out are out in front of some of our provider base um, so that we have not got good buy-in uh, from some of our specialists in terms of identifying how much risk they're willing to share and how they uh, fit into the governance uh, with these ACO models. So primary care is much more aligned uh, with what they want to do, but uh, in trying to work through uh, much more of the governance and the details of the uh ACO environment, or even the you know the alternative quality contract work that we have, uh, it's still um, we still have a ways to go with the provider base to, to really manage that as well.
2: Now, this, uh, John, I'll, I just I just amplify one uh, one point that both of my colleagues have made is putting the patient first and really arguing for the solution set that creates the the greatest opportunity for the triple aim and for high quality and safe. Clinical care um, is really um, a fundamental principle that uh, needs to be the primary focus of these discussions. We, we you can't can't have these discussions uh, and ignore these other issues about competitive market spaces. But unless there's a clear and and persistent focus on what's best in what's in the best interest of the patient, um, these kind of discussions can unravel pretty easily.
4: So, uh, Mike, if we were to look at uh, you know marketplace, so suppose we were able to get over some uh, or maybe come up with some creative ways to get over that competitive mindset so people start sharing. And then you build some uh, analytics to start getting the data. Now comes the part of transparency. So once you've triggered this, then how do you know that there is a consistent process followed in terms of how the data is being generated? How has that been massaged and sliced and diced and then presented as a dashboard report, which is available to a provider and or a physician or a patient? And we can rely on that data.
6: So I think part of that is is primarily in transparency, and I would think that some of that battle is already over with. Um, I think, you know, for the quality measures and the perspective of the ACOs and the alternative quality contract that we see in Massachusetts, most of the measures, although they have some inherent tweaks or weaknesses that people have identified, they're well known, the issues of how to obtain them, how to manage them. Um, are pretty consistent. Um, So, you know, I don't have difficulty, as soon as I can compile the data and get the data, you know, my concern is how we demonstrate it, how we show it. And, you know, in in our hands, and I'm sure in in my colleagues' hands, it's much more of an instrument of uh, discussion, how do we improve, how do we manage, as opposed to a punitive, you know, quote, you didn't do the right thing or you have to do it in this way. Um, So it's much more about collecting the data and then using it as an instrument to constantly improve performance, look for innovative ways to uh, manage patients better, provide better communication, and to buy, get buy-in from it.
4: So, Scott, do you think this is based on voluntary ethics and, uh, and uh, inherent reliability and honesty and integrity that is expected out of all uh, entities involved for this to really be used as a um, reliable source?
5: Well, I I certainly agree with my colleagues that if if you're approaching this in any other way than 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 putting the patient first, then then you probably have um, some some headset issues that that are going to be an impediment to progress and you know that philosophy would trigger some some fundamental assumptions which is the universal availability of data um, and the consistency of different risk management measures and, and transparency into that. And I'd, I would argue that, and I think my colleagues would too, that we've been after that problem statement for a number of years. Um, uh, so much so that we've, you know, we've aligned our financial incentives behind the delivery of, of high-quality uh, care, whether that's pay for performance or pay for uh, a quality. Uh, a number of the initiatives in Massachusetts are, are aligned similarly and I think are, are starting to demonstrate some, some progress and some outcomes. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, want to revisit the World Health Organization rankings, which I, I just yet. I think we were 37th or so last time they, they studied our, our progress. We were uh, roughly right behind Slovenia and ahead of Costa Rica. So there's obviously still a lot of work to be done on that that path but your your question actually got into a different area which i i think it's it's important to differentiate and that is the transparency of analytic methodologies and and i would i would uh, say there's a there's a, a qualifying answer here which is transparent to whom um as an organization we we anticipate actually competing on on the back of our analytic acumen and we think this is going to be a differentiator for physicians who would who would like to take risk with us? Um, and I, I don't know if if uh, if, if uh, listeners have had the opportunity to read Davenport and Harris's work on competing on analytics, but we think this is a dimension that we're interested in investing in, building a team and capabilities around, and positioning this as a foundational offering that we intend to use as a differentiator in the marketplace. And I think that is a, a very different uh, recognition than just the availability and transparency of universal uh, data uh, around around uh, the, the patient. Uh,
4: let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, John, uh, the question I'd like to pose here is the, the risk identification and the segmentation model that we have been using. How does the ACO model, how does new form of analytics uh, attempt to change it or even change it even though it is involuntary change? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
5: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
1: Voice America Business Network.
7: We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers.
0: We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
3: You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjay Gall.
4: Welcome back. So, John, uh, about the the risk identification and the segmentation model. Uh, that we have been using earlier how does this new ACO uh, you know entity building and or this whole initiative is altering it or can it actually should it be altering it
2: right well uh, risk stratification and segmentation is intended to identify uh, populations where intervention um, offers the greatest benefit and so the, the real purpose of um, of, of Those strategies is to really allow you to focus your attention and focus your resources on improving outcomes that will work to the extent that everybody's aligned around the notion of putting the patient first and around how well each individual ACO um, establishes their incentive models so if you if you identify a problem and the incentives are not aligned with fixing that problem you won't see the same kind of benefit as if you have the alignment of incentives. So I think there's going to be a lot of permutations uh, in the different ACO organizations in terms of how different incentives do or do not effectively reinforce uh, the biggest opportunities for improving uh, the care and service to the patient. and so the privilege that we have within Kaiser Permanente as an integrated delivery organization is that uh, everybody is a member of the team and everybody understands their accountability and opportunity to focus resources and I just give you one example. Uh, we have many patients who are alive today. Uh, who otherwise would not be because they saw the optometrist um or uh someone in the lab uh who indicated to them that uh they were due for a mammogram or a pap smear and sure enough uh uh they were detected early in the course of their disease and an intervention uh provided for a cure rather than a prolonged uh, anguish course so um, the 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 way that we've achieved that kind of uh integrated service is We've made it clear that everybody has a role to play and that everybody, uh, has, uh, aligned incentives around the same key initiatives to focus on preventive care and focus on the quality of the patient. Absent those kind of incentives, it's be very difficult, uh, to get an optometrist to pay attention to who's due for a mammogram or not. So the system support for that is important. But aligning the incentives of what your true priorities are um, is fundamental and will vary. Uh, so that's not prescribed as to how to do that. In fact, a lot of the CMS innovation funds intended to explore different models uh, to see how that works. So we have, uh, again, the luxury of having one that works quite well, and uh, we continue to um, exploit that in every way possible in the best interests of our patients.
4: So, Mike, do you think that we we spoke about all external factors and things which could, you know, put a damper on uh, the way we are proceeding, but then if suppose everything remaining the same and or perhaps improving from an external environment standpoint, do you think the organizations themselves internally are, are equipped to be able to pull this off when it comes to people, process and technology?
6: So I think that varies across the country. Um, I think there will be some examples, and you have them on the phone, that are very well prepared, and then you'll have other examples where, you know, the infrastructure is just not there. So, you know, for our personal example is that uh, we'll be entering into the ACO and AQC market in January, but there was a lot of upfront infrastructure changes, building of registries, changing our data model, you know, working with our primary care groups to build up their uh, ability to manage higher risk populations, keep them uh, at home, keep them managed, have some telemedicine involved. Um, I mean, that took a lot of work and a lot of upfront dollars and in investment and time. Uh, so, I think, in, in certainly in this economy and these uh, troubled times for some of the academic medical centers, the um, the way we uh, portion finances uh, really needs to kind of think about what our strategy is for patient care. Uh, so, so I think internally there's still work to be done
4: now do you think this the 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 things that you mentioned that has to be done you and you also mentioned that there's a lot of upfront infrastructure related investments to be put in that fun, typically funding is not available for it for other uh, purposes that's in a, a, a chronic issue with many of the uh, organizations but is this because there's a compliance mandate that's why people have opened up their purse strings or do you see a business opportunity here
6: well, I think there's, there will be a business opportunity <clears throat> because if you don't do some of these things, there'll be uh, penalties. There is, unless we change the model from fee-for-service to uh, a different, um, uh, m- way of uh, managing patients, we recognize, um, at the get-go that it's not a sustainable model, that our, that our current practices in healthcare don't lead to the best outcome. So there is a business model, there's a strategic model, and then there's a ethical model in the way we manage patients that will drive us in that way.
4: Now, Scott, if you were to bring up your book of projects that or initiatives that you would want to kick off and or like to put more focus on with respect to uh, fortifying this whole ACO model and looking at from a people, process, and technology standpoint within your organization, which one would those be? What may be the top three?
5: Well, um, I'll, I'll probably give you the top two uh, be, because we're, I think, laser focused on some key gaps that uh, we have, and I think my colleagues have alluded to the the, the human um, uh, linchpin here. That uh, you know, developing an organizational core competency around analytics is not going to be easy. I would I would argue it's going to be easier. Um, in New England than it is the rest of the country, because much of the thought leadership in this area has has come from there., uh, but even in New England, it's not going to be easy. So for the rest of the country, we have we have a talent acquisition challenge. Um, you know, historically, we've had an analytic team with expertise in in financial, operational, and clinical quality analytics. And because similar to Kaiser, we're a large IDN. We have existing expertise in places like lab, drug, payer, provider, and other related data sources. I think the two areas that we're going to be making investments, both in people and technology, uh, are the following. The first is becoming laser-focused on actionable, predictive modeling and analytic opportunities. And then the second is uh, more traditional customer relationship management or CRM skills. The, the clinical predictive analytics skill set is, is, as my colleagues have alluded to, is in high demand and short supply. Supply, and we continue to scour the earth to find exceptionally competent people to help in this area. The second area, CRM, is one that we're looking uh, very purposefully, entirely outside of healthcare, into other industries that have solved this problem statement better than we have and, and longer than we have. And, that type of thought leadership back into the healthcare space and, and maybe potentially bring an application portfolio with them uh, that isn't organic to healthcare that, that we believe would be applicable in, in this new, uh, new model.
4: So you're saying, uh, so just to recap, you got, of course, uh, a challenge with getting the right talent acquired, and you're looking at perhaps buying that particular competency from someone from a solution standpoint. Is that what you just said?
5: Well, I, I think there there is the uh, the potential to own none, some or all of this. And that's a decision uh, process that we're going through right now. I think the the potential for very key strategic, very important strategic partnerships going forward is is uh, of high potential. And you know, quite frankly, I, I'm not going to be surprised when we show up at hims next year and and a quarter of the booths are analytics companies. And another quarter of the booths are large uh, integrated IT companies that are uh, showcasing their analytic acumen. So I, I think this space is going to be a very interesting one to watch for the next couple of years.
4: Mike, do you think it is a good idea for us to start looking at outsourcing as one of the ways versus everybody trying to build their own internal competencies and maybe companies which may be able to showcase center of excellence around this?
6: yeah you know i think there will be different solutions for different groups um, uh so that outsourcing has its uh, inherent advantages and then has some disadvantages uh, to it as well but for an individual organization that may have a lack of capital that may have a lack of uh uh homegrown talent or the ability to recruit talent that may be the solution for some others are going to develop their own solution where they have more uh control and more uh, strategic design over it
4: all right. So, so, John, uh, when you are looking at all the discussions that we are seeing that are happening here, where do you think you would want to put your energies in, in the next six months for you to say, my organization, anyone around me or who are, how we are touching, they are enabled to come closer to this ACO dream?
2: Well, I'm, I may not be the best of the three of us to answer that question because um, the vast majority of our care already occurs within an integrated uh, delivery network. Um, what what we're trying to do for um, the less common circumstance where one of our members receives care outside our organization or even onboarding a new member from another institution that may or may not have a, a digital trail that they can uh, transfer to us is we're really focusing on developing the health information exchange capacity so that we can more readily uh, receive information uh, for the patients we're caring for from uh, other institutions. And so we're uh, around the country and, again, uh, in, in concert, uh, you know, with, with the Mayo Clinic Group Health, Intermountain Healthcare, and Geisinger, uh, trying to advance those health information exchange capabilities with the intention of making those kinds of uh, utilities uh, and services uh, available to everyone, uh, every institution, and, and every uh, consumer in the country. So, um, that we we have a, a pretty robust set of uh, uh, analytics and uh, delivery uh, mechanisms for uh, continually enhancing uh, how we deliver care. Um, and and so the the focus uh, that we have is continuing to tune everything that we've been doing uh in our internal operations and there's still lots of opportunities for improvement um of how uh we maximize the use of all of our information analytics and predictive analytics. Um but in addition we're looking uh and uh, to help uh extend the capabilities of health
4: information exchange
2: across the country.
4: Scott, what's the expectation from your executive management and perhaps the people under you to to do differently or more of in order to make a difference and bring this ACO dream to fruition?
5: Well, it's safe to say that uh, everyone in this space is uh, confronted with a similar issue, and that's how do you um, – transform a successful going concern into a a newly architected entity and not break all the china and the china shop while doing it um and and i think you know a, a part of our role here is obviously to provide um some you know leadership on this front and some direction on this front and i i think your question is spot on and and i i believe that you know perhaps more than anything we've drastically understated the amount of time that it's going to take to transform the healthcare system um, and i i would argue that that um, one of the uh, additional roles we we play here is expectation management and also providing a focused committed uh, disciplined leadership during what i believe to be will be a much uh, a longer transition timeline than anticipated so i i, I might uh, uh, summarize that by saying, you know, let's pick a vision, let's let's uh, commit to that course, and then let's buckle up for a long ride, take the long view, and commit to very long-term, sustained improvements, which I believe all of us uh, recognize as as necessary and beneficial.
4: So, Mike, do you see any explicit dampers or anti-coaches or or, or stumbling blocks which would? unnecessarily slow you down, and you are aware, and is there an intervention strategy for that?
6: Yeah, so... And within uh, the
4: organization, I want to qualify within the organization.
6: Yeah, no, I think we alluded to some of those. um, You know, it's, uh, uh, I think primary care may be um, more uh, easily aligned than specialist uh, to this cooperative, accountable kind of uh, work ethic. Um, The alignment of different incentives between um, inpatient, outpatient uh, work is still um, tenuous in some uh, regions and in some uh, contracts. Uh, and then uh, the issues of how we uh, continue to implement new technology while we go through the transformation, uh, identifying workflow challenges, um, data, discrete data capture points, um, and then new technology that comes in. So I I think that, uh, as has been said before, we we do underestimate the amount of work and the amount of time to really transform. We've asked our providers to do a lot more work, um, spend a lot more time with their patients, uh, and yet uh, the reimbursement models haven't really changed that much. So there's a lot of um, undercurrent of frustration uh, being burdened, but at the same time, the providers still want to take care of patients. um, That's why they do it every day. So um, it's there's a lot of frustration, a lot of work, uh, but there is hope that we can move forward because, you know, it's the right thing at the right time.
2: And, and, John, I, I'll just, just add one other frame of reference. And so if you, if you, if you just take a step back and, and look at what we're trying to achieve, um, in reforming the healthcare system, um, it's really, uh, it uh, can be decomposed into a supply and a demand problem, and the, and the supply really is how we organize care and how we deliver care, and that's what we've been focused on um, in this discussion so far. On the demand side, uh, it's very clear that one of the most compelling and challenging um, threats to the health of our country and as a consequence the economy of our country is the rising epidemics of obesity diabetes and all the associated comorbidities and so technology really has a role to play a very substantial role to play here and i i'm sure my colleagues are actively engaged uh, in their organizations as as we are at Kaiser Permanente in trying to understand um the behavioral aspects of, uh, what motivates people towards healthier lifestyles and healthier decisions. So in, in concert with our Thrive campaign, uh, to get people to uh, eat better, exercise better, sleep better, pay attention to their health, be mindful of the decisions they make in their everyday life, and there's a huge opportunity in consumer directed and mobile healthcare, uh, to use some of the emerging Technologies and tools to drive healthier decisions outside of our clinics and hospitals. And at the same time that we are uh, in moving in the ACO direction as a nation, uh, we need to be very careful not to be so distracted by that and so focused on that that we neglect the opportunities to uh, address some of the foundational issues that are driving the demand uh on our uh healthcare system um and failing to do so uh would be uh a very very perilous uh form of neglect. So uh we're focusing a fair amount of our efforts on trying to understand how to use emerging technologies in the mobile space, uh gaming, uh social networking, uh health coach avatars, uh to uh essentially support people uh, in making healthier decisions in their everyday lives. So no matter what we do on the, on the, um, uh... supply side, uh, we really need to, uh, very assiduously address, uh, the demand side as well and, and the, the, uh, relationship to ACOs is that the accountability towards the total health of the individual, uh, pretty much requires that we address that demand side and, and that's something that, uh, we've always been focused on but are intensifying our efforts Um, given the new technologies in the mobile space.
4: So, so Scott, when we spoke about, uh, you know, the, the challenges that we have, whether it's talent acquisition or technologies, and it's, it seems to be a good problem for the solution providers. And many times they would come and try to impress, uh, with what they can deliver. Now, do you think they have a clue or are they as close with their ears to the ground and understand truly what the problem is? And is there a standardization that has, Uh, you know, already happened with respect to what is it that is going to be looked at for them to build a robust solution that would meet your needs?
5: Well, um, admittedly, I'm a bit of a skeptic about um, old dogs learning new tricks. So um, many of the incumbents in this space, which have recently announced uh, competencies here, whether they are, are new applications that support deeper and more predictive analytics, whether they are new service lines, either consultative or outsourced service lines. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm skeptical that many of these organizations that, that employ tens or in some cases hundreds of thousands of, of health IT specialists are, are Going to be uh, effective at at transforming that part of their business, I, I think there is a role here for some fairly innovative and and entrepreneurial companies that have been um, that I've been in, impressed with over uh, the last I would say six or eight quarters um, that have really gotten uh I think some tremendous um intellectual property on board. I think they've brought some key talent on board. I think they've developed um reasonably innovative business models and I'm I'm pretty bullish about those. Uh one I I heard um our national coordinator our deputy national coordinator uh speak of the other day it was a company called Explories, out of Cleveland, a spin-off from the Cleveland Clinic that that I was i uh, been impressed with as well. So I think I think this is an emerging market where entrepreneurs are going to be, uh, successful. I think in terms of raw talent acquisition, we're all faced with a tremendous supply and demand challenge there. Um, and, and, and I'm, um, um, I would just finish with saying that I'm, I'm skeptical with large strategic partnerships with, with some of the incumbents that have been in this space for a long time.
4: So, Mike, any thoughts on what do you think these provider communities should do? Now, provider in the sense vendor community, should be doing in order to start getting a better understanding on what new, what the problem is, what solutions could work well, and perhaps then as informed partners work with you.
6: Yeah, I think the, you know, as, as we just go back to basic building blocks, I think for each organization, they have to frame the right requirements for them, uh, because each, each market, each provider, you know, healthcare is very local. So each group will need to assess their own strengths and weaknesses and then to ask the question of what do we take first and prioritize. And we've heard it before, laser-like focus on what we need to do and then move forward and continuously improve on that, take the next step and do the next thing. But unless you have a clear set of requirements and a clear set of priorities that the that the local environment can support and sustain, then it it really doesn't matter what you do because you won't do any of them well and you won't do any of them effectively or efficiently. So it's to get that core group, and there'll be different constituents in there um, to identify their core strengths, their core requirements, and then move forward from there.
2: And now, John, now. I just want to add that, that there are so many things changing so quickly right now. Um, the, the, the challenge to focus on the critical few priorities um, has has never been greater uh, because there are uh, so many challenges and so many opportunities to do things differently and do things better. So, uh, I really agree that I think every institution is struggling with the number of major initiatives all underway simultaneously. And so, um, you know, really understanding how to achieve focus in a world where everything's changing so quickly um, is is quite the challenge.
4: Thank you so much for your input, Scott, uh, John, and Mike. I hope uh, people see the light at the end of the tunnel and gear up and and buckle up with this new challenge that is uh, something that we all have to work on together. Thank you so much.
5: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
4: And uh, listeners, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, if you have any questions or thoughts, send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
3: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjog All next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio.
2: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering GoToAssist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant on world?